You're at the Coaching Inn, 3D Coaching's virtual pub where we enjoy conversations with people who are engaged in the world of coaching. Hello and welcome to the Coaching Inn. My name's Claire Pedrick and today it's my pleasure to have our guest, Kim Witten. And the reason it's really special is that Kim is a coach and she's also a linguist. Welcome, Kim. Thank you so much, Claire. I'm so glad to be on the podcast today. It's an absolute pleasure. So tell us your coaching journey. And then I'm just really intrigued about the linguist bit. So start with the coach and then we'll talk about the linguist. Yes. Yeah, so about, uh, I would say, two and a half years ago now, I um, I was at my corporate job and uh, it was in the middle of lockdowns, uh, middle of 2020, and not feeling quite satisfied with where I was at. I wanted to pick up some new skills, learn some things. I'd heard about coaching and uh, was listening through some podcasts and various things. And uh, I looked into it, decided to train, and I initially wanted to pick up coaching as an additional skill to have in my back pocket and thought, well, maybe it could turn into something. Turned out I brought myself toward to something that I think I intuitively knew that I needed to learn and pursue further. And it was exactly where I needed to be. So I decided to leave my corporate job, start my career as a coach, um, plant my flag and open my own business. <laughs> and uh, so I've been learning and working with clients since then, clients, wow. people, thinkers. <laughs> and <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, that's been the journey. Wow. And and you're a linguist. Yes. So what's the connection? Yeah. So the connection is, and it even goes bigger than linguistics and coaching. The connection is this idea of I've always been interested in language and communication and finding and making meaning of things. And I think I was always doing this at some point, no matter what I was doing. And I've switched careers many times. So I was into graphic design and marketing messaging and um, user experience research and, and then linguistics. I discovered linguistics many years ago, about uh, 15 years ago now. And I started studying it at the undergrad level, decided I wanted to continue on, did a master's and then moved to England all the way from California and did my PhD here in the UK and just fell in love with this idea of language. And then I've been weaving that through everything that I've been doing. And it's just allowed me to have this, these extra tools to understand people and the world around me. And I think that's always been a theme in no matter what I was doing. And then coaching just allows me to do that in a whole bunch of different ways with people who are, you know, in all these different fields doing their own uh, studies and interests and pursuits, but language is always there through that and meaning making is always there. Absolutely. So I have just been so looking forward to this conversation because I would like to just ask you about the sound of coaching. The sound of coaching. Yeah. Yeah. I love that take on that. I think people, when they come to coaching, they don't understand at first that it's a different kind of conversation and a different kind of conversation has a different pace intonation different intentions behind it and so of course the sound of it the cadence of it the rhythm all of that is going to be changed 
and it's going to be co-created, but in a, you know, like any conversation, but in a different way. I'm so glad you said that. <laughs> what does I've it got, sound like to you? Well, I've got a chapter in the new book, which is called The Music of Coaching. But as I just said to you, the sound of coaching, I really like that. I really love that as a kind of phrase. Me too. What it means for me is that the sound actually has as much, if not more, impact as the words. And the work, I think, happens in the music. Mm -hmm. And it seems to me with my learning lab of listening to recordings and listening to coaches coaching giving feedback it seems to me that the sound is more important than the content of what is said by the coach I think there's a lot that's communicated in the sound (laughs) that and in the gesture and in the timing and the context of it all that is as if not more important than than the actual words and the context or the content, as you say. And mm-hmm. knowing those extra sociolinguistic language, you know, raising our awareness around that gives us an extra channel of information or channels. It allows yeah. us to take in more and understand more in a way that we wouldn't if we were just focusing on the words. Yeah. yeah. And I wonder, think, notice something, whether when coaches say, I don't understand why that session didn't go so well, it is always the sound. Mm -hmm. So I listened to a recording the other day with somebody and um, it was beautiful coaching and the thinker said a a lot of things in the first 10 minutes. And the coach offered back three phrases. One that was kind of ordinary. One that was extraordinarily transformational, potentially. And then another one that was kind of ordinary. Mm -hmm. And she didn't hear And she didn't hear because he didn't change his tone. And I said to him, my hunch is that you're going to go round in circles in this conversation. And in about 50 minutes, you're going to get to this moment again. And he went, yeah. And I went, you got to it here. We can hear it. But she didn't hear you. And she didn't hear him for two reasons, I think. One is he didn't change his tone. So she was going, da di da di da di da di da di da di da And he went, so it sounds like da and da di da and da. So he didn't change his tone from her tone. So that was one thing I noticed. The other thing that I noticed is it was not an offer because it didn't sound like an offer. So in his head, body, spirit, he was offering it to her. But she didn't receive it as an offer because it sounded like a statement. Uh huh. And he and she, didn't notice that she didn't hear it. Yeah. And she wasn't listening. Uh huh. Because he was making a statement, she wasn't listening. She just carried on. Yeah. So for me, 
the the sound i mean the dance the movement is another one but the but the but the sound is i think we undervalue it uh-huh. and the more i listen to coaches coaching the more i realize that we make statements not offers and because they're eloquent and because in our head they have a question mark uh-huh. they're a statement they're a question but they're not so if I yeah. say to you, I'm using this as an example, Kim, because um, uh, not because it's true, but because it's an ex- because it's an it's an example. So don't take this personally. But if I say to you, "You're tired," yeah, you receive that as a judgment because I have told you you're tired. Whereas if I say to you, "You're tired," you go, "Oh." And then off you go with it. So that's what I mean by the difference between a statement and an offer. So what what am I noticing, Kim? Yeah, yeah. So you're picking up on the the intonation pattern, the the sing-song sound that signals to the hearer that there is a statement versus an offer or a question. And based on all of our experiences out in the world here's what we do with this pattern. And so the the coaching space, though, is a little bit different and other contexts can change this as well, where we are establishing what the meaning is of things when we say things a certain way. And we're kind of almost in training the people that, you know, the first time you meet with somebody in a coaching conversation, conversation, you're trying to kind of understand each other and you're doing that little dance of getting to know each other. But then over time, you're establishing, you know, this is how these conversations will work between us. And you're setting these precedents of how to respond to each other and how to offer things and how to um, create statements or, or even judgments. Um, And people learn that and they pick up on it. And if these types of conversations are exactly the same as the experience out in the world, well, that's what we're going to learn from it. And we're going to respond in kind. Just had an insight. Thank you. I'd love to hear if you feel like sharing. I do. If if you said, if I may, I will quote you on this in the book. If the sing song is the same, we will respond in kind. The same as what we know yeah, in the world. Yeah, elsewhere. In the world. Yeah. Yeah. And that is the issue. And that's, that's why, isn't it? That's why the sound matters so very much. Yeah. And, and the and context I, of the sound. Yeah. To interrupt. Yeah. 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 What we know it to mean in this space. Because there could be places where a statement is perfectly fine. Yes. Yeah. And it it works the way it works as an offer. If we learn it to mean that that's how, that's how this conversation works. And when we're in deep engagement, they might be so busy being busy. (laughs) that they have that they don't take a moment to recognize that actually 
even though it sounded like a statement, it was intended to be an offer. So, so when I hear coaches coaching coaches, it works because the, the thinker will take the words and make it an offer. But when you hear coaches coaching people who aren't coaches, it, it, doesn't, it often doesn't work. And it doesn't work because the thinker was so busy, tick for the coach, very good coaching there. But the thinker was so busy that when it came, they didn't stop and take a moment to process, oh, that was an offer. They go, oh, that was a statement. And then it stops the flow. And then the conversation goes, uh, uh, uh. And technically, if you read the transcript, it, it looks amazing. And then the coach goes, why was it so jumpy and bumpy and difficult? And it was because the thinker was busy, isn't it? They were busy and they didn't have time to go, actually, that wasn't the statement. Because it sounded like a statement. Yes. I think there's two things going on here. So one is the, well, there's probably more than two, but two that, that I notice. One is what you mentioned about the coaches coaching coaches. And I think part of that is because coaches understand the register. We understand the the arena of coaching and what all of these signs and symbols mean. So it's a shortcut. We hear the words and we go, ah, yes, they're asking a clarifying question or they're asking this question in a way that, or they're making this statement, this is meant to be, we know how to interpret all the signs. But people who are outside of that space or just being introduced to it are learning all of this. They're gaining all of the pragmatic and social knowledge about how we communicate in this space and how to have these types of conversations. They don't have the experience yet of having so many of them. So I think that's one aspect of it. The other one is refers to that, uh, that busyness and the not noticing. And I think this is where a, a tool in sociolinguistics um, coming from an area called conversation analysis that can really help here. And it's this concept of a next turn proof. And what that means is we take turns when we, when we talk. So we have a back and forth, somebody says something and then somebody else replies. The next turn, the idea of a next turn proof is that the hearer responds to what the speaker says and demonstrates what they understood the speaker's turn to be about by what by their response so it is in the next turn that there's proof of what the hearer understood the speaker to have said and if we're not listening to that we may miss that the hearer or the person <laughs> receiving the communication uh has understood the statement to be about something else that it hasn't landed and i think this is especially true when we ask really short open uh, questions, which is great, but that a short open question really widens the interpretation that you can have of the question. And we sometimes notice this when uh, the person we're talking to, we ask them a question and they respond in a different way with a different interpretation of the question. And you can hear that in a normal conversation in the outside world, we might do what's called a repair and we might jump in and say, oh no, I was, I was asking about this. In a coaching conversation, we might let it be because it's important 
to let them interpret the question and to run with it and we follow. Except that they answer the question that we asked. (laughs) And therefore it might not be useful. And then at the end of it, they go, is that the answer you were looking for? Yes, (laughs) that happens. And then, and the next term proof in that is that we, we take that, oh, they are unsure perhaps about what we are asking and they're, they're trying maybe to please us or they're trying to, they're trying to do something else and something has shifted in the power in this conversation. And so we need to maybe give it back or we need to rebalance in some way. We need to do some sort of other kind of conversation, conversational repair. Mm. Conversational repair. I love that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I love that. I love that. Would you be willing to read our chapter on music? And, and, I would love to. Yeah. And put your bit in. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I would love to to help in any way I can. And I think oh, I'm I'm so curious to read about this and hear more about it. And I'm curious about music and dancing, because I know that you ta- you use the metaphor of dancing quite a lot. And I really like it, especially as it relates to language as well and the sound yeah. and how yeah. we respond to the sound of coaching. Yeah. yeah. And you see, we respond to the dance of coaching because you can see the offer in the same way that you can hear the offer. Mm-hmm. And you can see whether the coach is letting go of the thing or whether they're holding on to it. And of course, if I ask you a question, I hold on to it. You're not going to, you're not going to engage with me, are you? Because I'm not going to let go. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I love that. It's our attachment to, to the question and, and a subtle way of leading that might not be useful yeah it could be our attachment it could be our subtle way of leading and it could be our fear that makes forget to let go this was a this was a very big question for me to ask and it's taken all my courage to be able to do it and I'm going to give it to you but what you're going to see in my face is I haven't let go of it yet (laughs) (laughs) that's perfect (laughs) so you're not going to take it are you because because you're not going to take it because it wasn't yours to take. Yeah. Sharing. <laughs> we think we're sharing and we're not. Yes. I think there's really something to that. It's This has got me thinking about a whole bunch of different, different threads. Yeah, that sharing and letting go. And it's that dance of, of power. And I don't mean power in the hold over someone's sense, but there is power in everything that we do all the time. And it's a, it's a thing that I always think of it like, um, uh, in a conversation, like a ball that's going back and forth. And there is, there is a passing of the ball that happens that is almost below our level of consciousness. Well, there is that, that is below, but there's a level that's also just we can almost notice it and we can notice it especially if we go back and look at the conversation and listen and watch 
and we can see where it got fumbled or it dropped or where it's being held on to. That's why watching video is so important as a development for coaches, even when we don't like it. Because it is the passing to and from thing. And I, you know, COVID and Zoom are our friend because now pretty much everybody can can do a, well, I would say almost every single coach does occasionally or all the time work on Zoom. And if you do a recording gallery view, you can see the handing over and you can see when the sound hands over and the and the vision doesn't, or the vision doesn't, the sound doesn't. And and then why it's a bit awkward. Yeah. And I think it's particularly true in the in the taking it back. So the coach will take it back mm-hmm. when the thinker's still holding it. And, has, and hasn't actually given it back. And the coach will say something because they've got something good to say, even though the thinker is still busy doing their good and amazing stuff. Mm. So interesting. Yeah. And there's lots of reasons why that happens. And I guess that's our responsibility to to keep the to keep all of that in check (laughs) and to be aware of what's going on within us and, you know, when we're taking it back and and why we're doing that and what place is that coming from? Yeah. 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 But coaches who are, who, who align to the ICF, the International Coach Federation, they talk about only interrupt when there's a coaching purpose, but that's interrupting, interrupting. That's, that's the dissonant boom kind of interrupting but actually we interrupt all the time when there is no purpose Mm -hmm. apart from the fact we thought we had a little bit of wisdom there (laughs) yeah and there's also lots of interruptions that happen as a a passing of the ball as a back channel as a keeping us in um in alignment and just this constant checking in that we do of like you still with me you still with me you still with me that um is and again, that's kind of at the not so conscious level. Uh, and we do this through all sorts of cues and discourse markers. So little bits of speech, we do it through back channels, the ums and the ahs and the uh-huh and the head nods and all of these things. But we also do it in the, in the sound of what we say. And we uh, do this thing called accommodation where we find ways to mimic and we accommodate people. And that could be using their, it can be as direct as using their words back at them and reflecting using their language and their words, but it can be very, very subtle, uh, maybe noticeable, but not immediately noticeable. So mimicking body language, but it can also be extremely subtle in the acoustics of the sound and the pace and mimicking the speech uh, mm-hmm. patterns and the even the way that maybe they pronounce words or different vowels. So not even at the word level, but at these smaller levels. And it's a way of uh, letting people know that we're with them and we're building rapport with them and that we agree with them or that we're distancing from them. Um, it can be used that way too. Um, and it is used that way um, in many spaces without having to be, so we do this to accommodate to people to check in with them without having to be explicit about it. 
Yeah, and that's another difference in coaching, isn't it? That we need to be explicit about checking in. Um, there is the most wonderful video on YouTube with uh, called Liquid Leadership. Uh, it, there's a reference to it in the book. Um, it's Trevor somebody and Jeff somebody else. So it's a TED talk on liquid leadership. So they're two men and they start the TED talk by dancing together, a ballroom dance. And they say that tra in, traditionally the man leads, but these are two men dancing. One of the things they say is that the, the art in dancing is the transitional step. So how, does, how do the dancers switch who's leading and who's following? Because in a male-to-male -male couple, that's a kind of normal thing. So anyone in the UK who watched the men dancing on Strictly, was mm. it in 2022? Two, 21, 21, the two men dancing on Strictly, they did it on Strictly Come Dancing. They would switch in the middle of the dance between who was leading and who was following. And that's artful coaching. So one of the things that we've been thinking about quite deeply is what in what is our transitional step or sound or movement? Because I'm not going to go over to you, Kim, because that's quite a... <laughs> <laughs> that's quite a unsubtle transitional yeah. step it's very that. explicit it's it's on record it's, yes. it's noted in the conversation yes. yes and that suddenly makes it it um it makes the conversation legalistic doesn't it yeah there's a formality um, to it yeah <laughs> so so the transition so I think we're only at the beginning of our thinking about this. So I'm I'm writing with Lucia Baldelli and we talked a lot about it. I think we're at the beginning and, I, you know, as we're talking now, I'm getting more insight and you're going to have a look at the thing and you're going to go, oh, there's the, what about this and this and this and this? But there's how we do the transition, I think, is is one of the most artful pieces of the coaching partnership that sets it as, aside as being different from other kinds of conversations. I agree. I think there's an interesting point in the um, in the Stoker's model where the very last question, you know, how shall we start or where shall we start is such an interesting example of that transition where things, the words, this is a good example of the words, uh, kind of contrast against what's actually happening. So the question is, how shall we start? But we're actually doing is closing. We're ending the container yeah. for that agreement phase and we're, yeah. we're starting something else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so that contrast between the word start is actually a closing yeah. <laughs> of sorts yeah. so that something else can start so that the next yeah. part can begin. Yeah. And it's a, it's a, it's a transition, isn't it? Yeah. And of course, it doesn't work 50 minutes into a one hour conversation. <laughs> <laughs> no. So the the uh, temporal aspect of it, like where that sits in time yeah. and the context really matters. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because uh, absolutely, because there are conversations, aren't there, where the where the right sizing is actually the work. Uh -huh. And that all we're going to do in the whole hour is to is to take this amorphous thing and make it the right size and have the thinker be clear what the thing is and what a great outcome that is yeah um but then when you get to 10 to in a one hour 
conversation that is a little bit late. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Unless the context is such that it's apt for the conversation, right? It might be something where that brings a levity or a joke yeah. or I'm yeah. trying to find some relevance, a way that that could make sense. Yeah. Um, just always going back to that idea of of the context, because there's no hard and fast rules to this, right? There's absolutely there's kind of the generalities, but then we always find ways to bend or break them or contexts where it just doesn't apply. Yeah. Yeah. And dissonance is a really good thing, except when it is an absolutely horrendous disruptor that really throws everything out the window and then we can't do anything. <laughs> yeah. And we learn, <laughs> like we learn from those moments Yeah, uh, and then have to let them go. Exactly. Exactly. Because everyone is our teacher and so are, so is every disaster we've ever had, which we all have. Let's face it. We've all had disasters. I think for for me in the beginning of my coaching, I was so eager to do a good job and to ask the questions and say the right things. And I had this linguistics awareness uh, at that I wanted to bring into it as well. So there was a keenness to to do that. I was taking in so much information and just holding on to all of it and going, oh, that's a shiny bit. Oh, that's neat. Oh, I'm noticing this and just not letting go of any of it. So it was holding on to so much in my head. It was breaking my presence. It was making things very formal because <laughs> I was trying to, to be a good coach and uh, just sit with all of this information and not, uh, not kind of recognize or be able to just let it go and go, yeah, that's a neat thing that I'm noticing, not helpful for them. Yeah. 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 Cause it needs to be in flow and actually it doesn't matter which bit we do. It really doesn't. The, yeah. the art is the flow. And if they're in flow, then they're in flow mm-hmm. and we will have abandoned 99.9% of whatever is in space in service of, of, of flowing. But as they flow, those other things begin to go into place, don't they? We don't need to tackle every single little bit. What a joy. Yeah. <laughs> what a relief. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so, so useful and so important. Well, so many things. Indeed. <laughs> I've enjoyed this. <laughs> so, Anything else that you notice about the sound of the conversation that we haven't talked about, Kim? I think there's probably a piece around meaning. Meanings of of words and yes, okay, this is how it connects to sound. I knew there was a connection there. What something sounds like versus what people hear being aware of the meanings of words and the the this goes back to the sound of a question versus a sound of a statement always being conscious i think it's important to always be conscious of what things mean for an individual person. We have these shared meanings of words and statements and all of this, but noticing that reaction, that what they do in the next turn can be a signal of 
what they heard, what it sounds like to them. So if you use a word, I had a a coaching conversation the other day where a client was showing me his office uh, because it was relevant to the conversation. And he says, um, I try calling it my studio, but it looks like an office. So I said, what's the difference between a studio and an office? And he says, an office is a managerial, managerial space and a studio is a creative space where you do what, right? So it was just kind of really teasing that, that idea of the meanings for them of what an office is, what a creative space is, you know, what a studio is, and just going with that, that deeper. So how those words, even when they say them, how it hits for them is really important. And what a great example, Kim, that is of the wisdom of of deepening the inquiry around the meaning of those words Mm. when next week somebody will say office and you won't take any notice because in that context doesn't mean it it doesn't matter what it it doesn't matter what they mean (laughs) yeah yeah this was important to them about those so good I love getting into the details yeah and just going oh what what's it's interesting sometimes even the way they say a word uh, like office or um, uh, with another person I was talking about the do dump delegate delay method and the way that they said the word delay I was like oh <laughs> what's going on there I got curious about it yeah and ask and they're like I don't like this word we decided to call it something else yeah and reframe it in a way that was helpful for them yeah so how that landed for them how that sounded for them And I'm guessing you noticed because it sounded different. Yeah, for them. For them. So it. So again, someone else might say that, and you might take no notice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was different from the way that they speak. Yeah, and I'm noticing the pattern of how they say things. Yeah, and going, ah, that was that was different. And it can just be an intuition. It doesn't have to be this very explicit thing. And and I think intuition is often just. kind of drawing upon wisdom or knowledge that you have about something without it being very conscious. Yeah. There's something there that you're picking up on. You don't quite yet know. If you record the conversation, I always record my conversations. And if you go back, you can then slow it down and have that objective space to see, Mm. ah, that's what I was picking up on. Yeah. That's what I was noticing. Yeah. What they were picking up on. Yeah. Wow. Dissonance. Yes. Dissonance and resonance. Wow. Well, thank you, Kim. I I think we need to have you back. (laughs) Oh, I'd love to come back. (laughs) Uh, How do people contact you if they want to talk more about the work that you do? I would love them to visit my website. It's witten.kim, W-I-T-T-E-N.K-I-M. Very easy. And on there, you can contact me. You can read some of my articles, find out about my linguistics journey, design journey, uh, whatever. I would love to hear from people. Great. Well, thank you. Um, Thank thank you you for coming and thank you for listening, everyone. Have a good week. Bye-bye. Bye. If you've enjoyed what you've heard today, we'd love you to share the podcast with a friend or leave a comment on social media. And if you'd like to become a regular at The Coaching Inn, you can subscribe on Podbean and all major podcast channels. We look forward to welcoming you next time. You've been listening to The Coaching Inn, 3D Coaching's virtual pub. For more information, check out 3dcoaching.com.